Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reserve. So grateful that you've joined us on 99.1 FM, life-changing radio. So grateful for our relationship with WJMM. So grateful for you tuning in uh, every day at 1115 on this radio station. Uh, for more information, please go to thehopeencounter.org or email me at bill at thehopeencounter.org. We've been working through the 12 anchors of hope for the Encounter ministry, uh, thehopeencounter.org. Uh, we spoke about the first two anchors yesterday, um, and I, we talked about playing God and wanting to get well, and that's so important. Uh, so that, and that's something that I, I've seen people get stuck in. Anchor two is believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. You know, you can do it without a lot of things, but you can't do without hope. And we're a place where hope can be found. And if you get to a place where you can believe by faith what Jesus Christ has done for you, the Bible says while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his love for us in this. He died for us. If you're wondering where God was in, in your situation growing up, because that's what I used to think. He was on the cross loving and dying for you. And he did it just for you. And if he had to do it all over again, if you're listening, he would do it just for you. That's how much God loves you. And so by faith, we can respond to the love of God by surrendering my life and will to Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it's so important to know that a real transaction took place on the day of salvation. What kind of transaction? Well, on the day of salvation, our sins are forgiven. Our name is written in heaven's book, declaring us a citizen of heaven. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We get a new nature. We get the mind of Christ. We get a new heart, renew and right desires. We're declared not guilty. We were given power, not just any power, resurrection power. We're given a new identity. We're given purpose, a destiny. We're given a testimony. All those things were given to us at salvation, and they were given to me because, because not only did I believe in Jesus Christ, but I believed in what he did for me and not what I can do or will try and do. You see, if you don't understand the finished work of Christ, you'll never live the crucified life in Christ. And if you don't understand the finished work of Christ, then you'll wear yourself out trying to accomplish something that's already been done. That's what most Christians do. And I wish the finished work of Christ would get taught more at more of our churches so that we don't have to wear ourselves out uh, by trying to do what's already been done when Jesus yelled out to Telestai, paid in full. It's already paid in full. We've been stamped, not guilty. And it's when we realize how much Jesus has done for us and we, when we believe and receive the finished work of Christ into our lives by repenting of our sins, turning from those sins, and turning to Jesus by verbalizing our trust in him, and believing in our hearts that he's Lord, that's when we're really saved. And for those of us who had a real salvation experience, the only reasonable, obvious response anyone could ever have once they know what really happens at salvation is a grateful heart that radically obeys God out of gratitude, fueled by grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus lived and died a radical life so we can radically follow him. Radical salvations lead to radical obedience, and radical obedience always leads to radical healing and deliverance. See, the power of the cross solves our biggest problems problem. The power of the cross makes it possible for us to say three of the most imp important words we can ever declare. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. 
If these three words don't liberate your life with unspeakable joy, passion, purpose, power, love, grace, and gratitude, then you probably don't really know what the cross and forgiveness and what a real salvation experience is all about. Then Jesus, then what Jesus did for you on the cross is just going to be just an intellectual acknowledgement instead of a life-transforming eternal transaction that changes us and sets us free. But once, friends, if you're listening, listen to me very carefully. Once you fully grasp what Jesus did for you and then respond to it by believing, repenting, receiving, and surrendering your life and will to Jesus Christ, the only three words you will ever say over and over again, anywhere, any place, anywhere, is I am forgiven. We say that on Easter. He is risen, but we say he is risen, therefore I am forgiven. You see, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. The only thing that's going to get you into heaven is how forgiven you are. So when someone approaches you and if an evangelist on the street approaches you and says, if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? How would you answer that question? If you think, if you're going to answer that question based on what you do, or based on what you've done, or based on being good, then you haven't had a real salvation experience. Because the only way to get into heaven is to be forgiven. Is to realize that all of us have sinned according to the Bible. All of us fall short. All of us have a sin problem and all ours and there needs there always is a penalty according to the law that needs to be paid for our sins and either we're declared guilty or not guilty by the law and someone had someone had to meet the requirement for the law and none of us there's not a single person alive that could have ever met the requirement of the law and here's the problem with the law you break one you break them all you can, be better, you can be better than 99.9% of the people in your life. You could be better than Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and the Pope all put together, but because you're born into sin and because you're born separated from your father and Jesus Christ is the only answer for it, you, you're, still, you're still declared guilty. But according to Jesus, anyone who trusts in me will receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and trust in him and him alone so that we can declare I am forgiven, that's when we can declare I'm going to heaven, not because of what we've done. You know, in Matthew 7, there's that scripture that says so many, many people will come to me and say, didn't we do all these things in your name? And that's a scripture about the church. It's a scary scripture. I don't like that scripture. I don't like preaching about it. I don't like talking about it. I don't like, I don't like mentioning it on this radio show. But the fact is, it says many will come to me on that last day and, and say, didn't we do all these things in your name? Prophesy, cast out demons, do all these things in church in your name. And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Now, it wasn't a question of Jesus not knowing who they were. Jesus knows us all by name. Jesus is saying, I know who I am, but where's my life found in you? But also they were saying, let us into heaven based on what we've done. Didn't we do all these things? And that's what the average person says. You know, let me into heaven. Let me into your kingdom because I've been good. Well, being good doesn't cut it. Being great doesn't cut it. Giving to church doesn't cut it. Going to church doesn't cut it. There are a lot of people in church that still aren't saved. Matter of fact, that's a big epidemic. People sitting in churches today all across America that aren't saved that think they're saved. 
because they've never really repented and trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, when you trust in what I've done for you, what he wanted to hear from them is saying, Lord, we did all these things because we know what you've done for us. We know that you've forgiven us. We know that you've, that you've, that, that you've declared us not guilty. We've known that you've, that, that you've set us free. We know that you yelled out to tell us die. We know that you died on the cross and that your blood, uh, that your blood was enough to purchase us and heal us and set us free. We know what you've done for us. And that's why we did these things out of gratitude because we love you and it's our way of demonstrating back to you that we love you because you said, Jesus, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we obeyed. See, they obeyed Jesus out of obligation, which is the law, but Jesus was looking for them to obey him out of gratitude, filled, fueled by the Holy Spirit, which again is grace by faith. So friends, where are you today? Where are you today in this thing called life? How are you preparing for eternity the best? And so do you know what Jesus has done for you? And have you received what Jesus has done for you by faith? And, how, and are you living your life out of gratitude for what he's done for you, loving Jesus back and obeying God? And then here's another thing that happened on the day of salvation. We get up to anchor four, realize who I am in Christ and reject the lie that I am my character defects and sins. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and the old is gone and the new has come. So you may not realize this, but there's a spiritual war going on over your identity. Satan spends most of his time taking what God has created for good, which includes you, and he perverts it, distorts it, hurts it, ultimately tries to destroy it. And Satan knows if he can keep you from being you, the person God made you to be, if he can hide or distort your true identity in Christ, if he can hinder what God intended for you to be, then he has succeeded in creating an identity crisis that will keep you in chaos and eventually destroy your life. How does he do this? How does he keep you from knowing your true identity? Well, he uses a lot of different tools. He uses hurts. He uses pain in your life to deceive you and disguise your true identity. Because if he can get you to be resentful, if he can get you to stay bitter, if he can get you to be overwhelmed with guilt, shame, regrets, then he knows you're going to miss your true identity from being so obsessed with all those things. And this is a big issue because unresolved pain and resentments create character defects. And a lot of people think that because they have a certain tendency, a certain lust, a certain attraction, a certain fault, a certain habit, then that's who they are. And that's how Satan deceives us and keeps us stuck. And our identity sort of gets messed up because we've identified ourselves with a particular way of acting, thinking, attracting, desiring, lusting, etc. You see, the world often tells us that the first step of facing our denial is to admit that we have a problem. There may be some measure of truth to that, but don't be fooled into thinking you are your problem. See, they may tell you, as a matter of fact, they do this all the time. They'll tell you to introduce yourself by identifying your problem. For example, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. That may sound like you're admitting that you have a problem, but it's also self-defeating. See, the misconception is that you are your sins, that you are what you do, that you are your bad habits, and you and you are and that and that is your identity. I mean, these are the labels that the world gives you. I remember when I started uh, a recovery ministry in California. And I was introducing this concept of who we are in Christ. And I had people literally walk out of informational meetings yelling at me 
yell, literally yelling at me. Had a guy yelling at me. Say, I am, he says, I am an alcoholic. I've always been told I'm an alcoholic. I will always be an alcoholic. And I will forever be an alcoholic until the day I die. Well, friends, guess what? That guy is probably going to be an alcoholic to the day he dies. And he, he vehemently rejected any notion of calling himself something different than his sins, than his strongholds, than his addictions, than his defects, than his faults, and then what the world tells him. But friends, if you're listening to the Encounter Radio Show, I want to tell you today, you are not your defects. You are not your faults. You are not your sins. You are not your addictions. You are not your strongholds. You are, you are not your problems. So don't you dare introduce yourself by those things. You are a child of the one true king if you have accepted Jesus Christ. You are loved. You are accepted. You are secure. They may be things that you do struggle with or even still do today, but they are not your identity. They are not who you are. And the last thing the enemy wants you to know is who you really are in that new and true identity. Because if you really believe what God says about you, you might just start living that way. Friends, you are a child of the one true king. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who you are. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. A real transaction takes place on the day of salvation. You got a new identity. You got a new nature. Not just by... Uh, just a transaction uh, of what happened on the day of salvation, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you were made into a new creation in Christ. Your old identity is gone. That identity is not who you are anymore. You are loved. You are highly favored. You were once not a people. Now you are a person of God. You were not. You were once not forgiven. Now you are forgiven. You are a royal priesthood. Remember who you are in Christ and never forget your identity in Christ and start walking in that identity, child of God.